Well, hello you. Graham Norton here. We've got some great stuff for you on the Graham Norton with Waitrose podcast. Zach Abel joins me live in the studio for a very special Saturday session. Andrea Riseborough pops in to tell me about Channel 4's new romance season of Alice and Jack. Joseph Martha has some parathas. Indian flatbread. But first, Maria McCurlin is solving another set of your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. <gasps> Here she is now. Oh, love fool, then you'll enjoy. <laughs> oh, 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 that's rude. Oh, I'm all, oh, I'm all confused because you're on the other side of the studio today. I know. It's it's my left side that is being filmed instead of my right. I, feel, I only I normally feel like, put makeup on one side. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm just kind of glancing at you. You <laughs> are. You're giving me side eye, basically. Yeah. No, you see, because Zach Abel, his piano is very large, isn't we it? We love Zach Abel, don't we? Yes. But it, the, normally, when they have a bit of an old uh, Joanna in there, it's it just, you know, it's, it's something you put yeah. in your lap. Look That's a that. big one, isn't it? Honestly, they say. I'm surprised he was able to get in the lift. We were very good with Zach Abel as well. We were chatting with him and nobody told him about the traitors. Well, he did find <laughs> out a little bit. Because Zach, Zach Abel's big plan was to start watching the traitors tonight. I mean, by the time you 4 o'clock You did say comes, I could save you 12 hours. I did. Well, over, because the final's even longer. Oh. The final's an hour I and a half. I mean, I didn't... I haven't watched any of it, and yet I know about every one of the people. How do I know that? I don't know. Just no, I know. I'm, because well, there, I'm, are, I'm, I'm, there are a lot of traitor bores out there, and I indulge them because <laughs> um, it seems to give them pleasure. So I know who's in the final and everything. Oh, anyone who watched the final... Everyone just wanted to punch the television. It, the I didn't watch it, and I still wanted to punch the television because <laughs> I was watching your show. <laughs> uh, it was very good, your show, by the way. Oh, I'm, I'm moving away from traitors. Okay, I'm you didn't really... see it. You didn't see it. You've nothing to contribute. I did see your show. No, no, no. The oh, traitors. Yeah, the traitors, yeah. and I have nothing to contribute. Um, no, I love your show. And what I wanted to ask you is, yes. can you please have? I mean, I love Daniel um, Kaluuya. Kaluuya. I always want to call him Kalua, but that's a drink. Yeah. Um, Kalua, and I love him, and I do love the star of his new film, The oh, Kitchen, Kane. Kane Robinson. Can you have him on your show so I can come along and sit in the front and be a bit weird like an old lady? Yeah, well, you, you could even, you could kind of follow him down the corridor because you'd have access to the green room. <gasps> you could just be, you know, you could just be, hello. Well, if you give me an access all areas, I can I'm follow him into his dressing room. No, no, don't, no, no, you can't no, do that. No, no, don't do that. No, that's no. too stalking. No, not, not and again. It didn't end well when not I did it before. No, it didn't. No, it's never gone well, Maria. You know they don't like it. <laughs> they come out. Just, excuse me, there's there's a lady in my dressing room. Do you know the last person I did that with? No, the only person I think I did that with. No, on your show was who's the man who does the dogs? Oh, uh, Caesar. Caesar Milan. We all was it took- Caesar Milan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caesar Milan? Yeah. We all took our dogs in um, and uh, I asked him about my little dog who's a Maltese, who was a little bit thick. I asked him if he thought that dogs could ha- be on the spectrum and be autistic. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me as if I was mad because he's quite old-fashioned and Mexican in his way of dealing with dogs. He says that himself. This is not me being racist. Yeah. And he sort of, you know, th- has a pack. Yes, I remember Caesar Milan was on the show and we... It was like... It was like kind of uh, uh, Jesus appearing and people bringing their sick relatives. It was. Everyone it was like lords. Their, everyone brought their dog <laughs> thinking there'll be a laying on of hands and now my dog will be able to drive a car that'll be so well trained. And 
He couldn't have been less interested in our dogs. No, he was. In, he really was thinking, why are you all doing this? It's like yeah. I'm a dog whisperer or yeah, yeah. something. There's so many dogs here. How come? It's a chat show. But I do think it was... I tell you what, it was when he was publicising his live show. He was doing a live dog show. I don't know how that panned out. Did you go oh, and see if it? anybody went to see Cesar Milan's live I show... I would love to know. Because, because you weren't allowed to bring dogs. That what? I know. That, that It was on the ticket. I, you couldn't bring a dog. I mean, so it... Le- what was he doing? Numbers? Was he singing some songs? Or no, he was probably just telling people if your dog was here now, what I'd say is this, and then it would do something. But I, I, I thought he, there was a bit uh, that day. And no offence, he's if you're listening, he's so not listening. No, so not but listening. There was a little, little whiff of snake oil in the air. I felt that day. Well, because all of those dog shows, it happens in half an hour, and of course, you know, somebody, probably a researcher, is sitting there for five hours going sit, 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 treats or, or whatever. Their actual dog is in the back of a van, and uh... <laughs> and this is a trick dog. It's an AI. No! It's an AI dog. Um, guess what I happened this week? You went to the moon. No. No. Okay, I was close. It's to do with my. Oh, your book! Oh, I was meant to do this bit. Sorry, Maria, you've had to do your own heavy lifting. Well, exciting news. Uh, Maria's book is now finally, finally, finally uh, available on Kindle and on the Audible, read by me. Maria herself. Although somebody just sent me a message saying, I was waiting for Graham Norton to chip in to your book. <laughs> yeah. We're not joined at the hip. We're waiting for Graham Norton to ruin it. <laughs> I, I couldn't enjoy it because I was so tense waiting for Graham Norton to wang on in the middle of this. Uh, no, it's all available. It's all out there. Very, very good. Thank you. I like your jumper. Is it cashmere? Uh, no. Oh. But thank you. Have the moths got it? No. Uh, it's just wool. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's cashmere wool. Yeah. Of course it is. It's but, just a high quality wool. But not of a, not of, I was going to say a cow. Cows don't produce wool. <laughs> not of a sheep. Is the cashmere sheep? Cow, cashmere goat. Cows don't produce wool. <laughs> you learnt so much at school, Nellie Norton. Oh my goodness. You are oh, unstoppable. I can't move for A levels. Virgin Radio. Okay, here is the first problem of the day. <clears throat> Dear Graham and Maria, I've been married nearly 14 years now. Oh, I see. <laughs> I've been married nearly 14 years now and the wife and I have grown used to each other mm. we mostly get on but she has a powerful high pressure job uh, that she's had ever since we met and it takes a lot out of her as the years have passed it seems like she's able to cope less and less with lots of things some of them trivial to be honest as she is overwhelmed our children have been brought up mostly by me and the cries in the night are always daddy and never mummy all right i lost my parents within about three years of each other and feeling less able to talk to my wife i ended up confiding in a friend who is female she's known to my wife but they're certainly not friends nothing ever went on just purely chatting said female friend has had boyfriends and other guys that chat to her too so i didn't feel it was wrong I hid the fact that I used to see her uh, from my wife, knowing that she's fragile and dislikes this woman. But now it's all come out and she's seen strings of messages between us for years, me asking how she is and her response. If my wife was paranoid about me running off with someone before this, this has certainly not helped the situation at all. We've had some holidays and been to counselling, but barely a day goes by without her saying, do you want me or her? I now don't seem to be able to go out with friends for a catch-up either. Not that I do that a lot, but it's almost like it's banned because of what she's calling an emotional affair. What should I do? 
That's from Tom in Scotland. Tom in Scotland, you know, normally I just sort of respond to what's on the page here, but I'm thinking what this is shouting to me is, notice me. It's like your wife has had a very high-powered job. You've done, all right, a lot of the heavy lifting with the kids. Um, There seems to be resentment towards your wife. Look, I'm just... uh, hazarding a guess here but I would be thinking maybe your wife is coming up to menopause or going through menopause and the anxiety certainly increases with menopause it's really you you have to pay attention to it and you and she's finding all of this very stressful nothing went on with this woman this was a friend you've chatted to a friend when you say it's come out it's finally come out I would say you've probably told her and your wife has seen all the messages. I, this isn't, it feels like there's nothing here. We're making a mountain out of a molehill. Um, you need to be there for each other and you haven't done that. I would say, Tom, in Scotland, hit refresh and start again with your wife. You've got to make time for yourselves. You've got to go on a date night. You've got to take her out. You've got to talk. You went through a difficult time as well with your parents um, dying and you didn't feel she was there for you. There's resentment that has built up here on both sides. You need to come together and chat about it. I don't know what the council is doing because that doesn't seem to be helping Uh, any if you're writing to us. Well, I think what Tom's done here, and Tom, be honest with us, this isn't what happened, is it? This is a co- this is the gospel according to Tom. Well, of course he's gone. He's but it, but it's so, story. but it's put through such a filter of you know uh, making himself seem more sympathetic than his wife. Uh, then the parents die. Then this woman comes up. To, what really happened, Tom? I I feel like your wife would send us a very mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. letter uh, because you're not being honest. I'm probably not being honest with yourself because I think Tom thinks this is what happened. And it's not. Your wife thought she was in a very stable relationship where she was bearing the brunt of work things and financial things and you were bearing the brunt of the home fires. You were keeping the home fires burning. You you know, she would have been at work telling people, I'm so lucky, Tom is amazing with the kids, da 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 da, da. Meanwhile, Tom is, you know, whether you were having an emotional affair or not, you were having a long, secretive friendship with this woman. No wife's going to be thrilled to hear about that. But nothing happened. It was a very long, secretive friendship. If Tom wanted his wife to think nothing was going on, tell her it's happening. Don't don't hide it. The minute you hide something, yeah. people go, well, why are you hiding it? I mean, he says they, they're known to each other, but they're not friends. And then in the next sentence, he says they don't like each other or the wife doesn't like her. I mean, I Gospel do feel according there's... according to Tom. I do feel there's Mountain of Molehill. I do feel that it's a cry for help from Tom, that he just needs to be noticed a bit. You need to try and get each other's attention again. I, th- I think he just wants us to be on his side. He's written this letter in thinking we'll back him up. Well, I'm not backing I'm him not up, backing are you? I'm not backing him up either. You've taken a gin him, haven't you? No, I haven't taken a gin him. I just feel like Tom needs to be honest about what's going on here and own his part in it. Mm. This isn't... You are not blameless in this, Tom. No. 
You have played a part in your own downfall. But he would say he turned to this woman for chats, etc. Uh, not, not really etc. <laughs> Heavy on the etc. Yeah, because he, his wife wasn't available to him. Well, boo-hoo, she's busy earning the money, Tom. We haven't heard what you've done to contribute to that. No, and also, I'm sure she's been through things and, yeah. you know, she had to go to work because I have to go to work. You know, I'd like to sit here all day crying. And she's finding it stressful at yeah. the moment and finding it anxious making and harder and harder to deal with. And you're not helping that in any way at all, Tom. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I, th- I think, Tom, you need to what take a hard What advice are we giving him? Hmm? What advice should we give him? Uh, be honest with yourself. Yeah. And also, listen to your wife. Your wife's not being... Your wife is not being irrational here, I I would say. Mm. Or she's not being unreasonable. Da responses part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting Waitrose double chocolate brownies. A rich squidgy brownie made with milk and dark chocolate with hand-sprinkled chocolate topping. Comes in a big box. Do you know what I mean? Because you kind of think, oh, little thing. No, they're big, big. So they are. Okay. Alan Edinburgh. Dear Graham, Tom and his wife have clearly grown apart and are no longer on the same page. Wouldn't they be better to agree to consciously uncouple? Wow. Al went there. Just straight there. 14 years, they've got kids. But Al's, Al's, he's seen enough now. Thank you. Movie over. Yeah, put the tape back in the box. All right. Uh, A woman having to deal with men in a high-pressure job is 10 times harder for them. Look at it through her eyes. I felt we needed to do a bit of that, Nick, in Yorkshire. She will feel under threat from work and now the same is at home. If she loses her job, then it sounds like all money will be lost. If she's getting on in years, then the chance of a woman finding a similar paying job is slim. Yes, I feel Tom does need to see it a bit through his wife's eyes. Uh, Sandy from Sirencester. My ex-husband swore he had an emotional affair with my former best friend. It was a real affair. Why, ya yada. Ask yourself what you really want from the relationship with a friend, because I suspect you really want her. Your wife deserves better, and if the marriage is over, it is best to move on. No one wants a lying traitor in their life. Oh, did you see it last night? Oh, sorry, I distracted. Um, The other thing, Sandy, I would say is... Tom may want an affair with this woman, but it sounds like she's not available either. Like, it sounds like she's got boyfriends and she, I don't think she's that mad keen on Tom. Uh, so, yeah, he'll leave his wife and end up nobody. Oh, Tom, I'm slightly confused as to why you've written in. Me too, John and Staley Bridge. Uh, you say you've tried all these things. What are you looking for? I feel like you're looking for forgiveness, which does imply you feel you've done something wrong. If this is the case... Have you tried apologising for what has happened? And I'm not hearing a lot of sorry in this. I think there's a lot of, but I didn't do anything. I think there's a lot of that going on. Uh, uh, Graham and Maria, my husband and I are listening to you in bed. And Oh, hello. And uh, stupid Tom has ruined it, as I'm now asking my husband if he's had a secret emotional relationship. And I'm thinking about all the women I know who he could be having one with. Thanks a lot, Tom. Well, that's not really advice, is it, uh, Deborah and Stephen and Dronfield? But a little window into your world. I'm not sure I wanted to look, but there you go. I've seen it now. I can't unsee it. Um, I am going to, uh, to... I'm going to give the uh, Waitrose Double Chocolate Brownies to Sandy from Sirencester. Graham's Guide. 
Okay, here is the second problem of the day. <clears throat> Dear Graham and Maria, I've been planning to live abroad for many years now and finally the opportunity came about. It felt like the stars aligned as the lease on my flat was coming up, it was a good time to leave my job and I'd built up enough savings. So, I booked my one-way ticket to Southeast Asia, applied to some English teaching jobs and started planning. Sadly, over the past month, it's been a series of bad news for my family. My grandma passed away, my mum is naturally devastated, my brother lost his job, and there's a lot of other long-term sickness in the family. I told my mum that I'd stay in the country to be around for everyone and went to cancel my flight and accommodation bookings, but she told me not to. And after much discussion, she had an impassioned speech for me about how I cannot put my life on hold. I've thought about it a lot, and although it's very unfortunate timing for my trip, when is it ever the right time? I want to put the plans on hold and stay home for my family, but I don't want my mum to feel guilty for thinking I was obligated to stay. She's insistent that I go. How should I handle this? And that's from Charlie, without an E, from Bournemouth. <clears throat> Charlie, without an E, from Bournemouth. Go. Go away. If life has taught us anything, these two old people that are sitting opposite each other at the moment, it's seize the moment, seize the day. Do it, do it now. Because life will always get in the way. You know, people will die, there'll be some reasoning. I mean, it makes me think slightly, Charlie, because your mum has given you her blessing to go, that you might be having cold feet and leaving family. So, listen, we're all in touch far more than we ever used to be with airmail. Do you remember that? Um, <laughs> I was thinking, airmail? Yeah. Oh, yes, airmail. Yeah. Those, those nice envelopes where the envelope was the letter as well. That's right. Yes. Very, very lightweight paper. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got Zoom, we've got e everything. We can get in touch with someone at a moment's notice. So if, have a stern word with yourself if you're having fears about this because I know what it's like you leaving your family and you're worried that something bad will happen. Just Go, get on the plane and go. Because it's your turn now, Charlie, to embrace the next chapter. Your mum is absolutely right and she's a lovely mum for yeah. saying, please go, we'll all be fine. Of course you'll all grieve for your grandma and stuff will happen, but you'll cope. And you'll have a brilliant time in your new life. Yeah, and listen, I wanted to big up the hero of the story, your mum, Yeah, Charlie. really. Uh, because she's done absolutely the right thing. Look, the great thing, Charlie, I mean, it is a great Thing, that you were here when your your grandmother passed away so you were here to you know for that that bit of grieving and you all came together as a family now you staying here what's going to be achieved by that charlie you what you're going to get your brother a job no uh you've got to make your mother not sad that her mom's dead no and uh, they just got to think uh, now that woman's sitting here or you know what why why aren't they away and living their life mm -hmm. so Go live your life. It's not like you don't care about your family. It's not like anyone's going, wow, how heartless is that? Look at them <laughs> teaching English in Southeast Asia uh, when we're here. No, none of that. That You're just living your life. And, uh, you know, there will be times in the future when you won't be able to go away. Or, like, you say, if your mom was ill, then you, you'd maybe stay and look up. But right now, yes, it's not ideal. It will never be ideal. No, that's absolutely truth. And that is a life lesson that we all need to know, is that there's never a right time to have a baby, to leave your job, to move house, to whatever. You just have to go, I'm doing it. Yeah. So 
I would say bon voyage, have a nice time. Yeah. And you know, and also, I, I, what's weird is you. I I kind of agree with Maria that there's a bit of the self sabotage going on because actually, who's no one's asking you to stay. This is you got to go. I probably should stay. <laughs> I probably should because they they need me. They don't need you. They're all at the airport ready yeah. to ready to wave you off. Yeah, they've packed your bags. <laughs> Bye. So uh, go 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 go. Uh, and look, if you have a horrible time, you can always uh, you know then change your flight to come back. Come again. home. Yeah, it's come not home. like you're going on a one way. Well, you are going on a one way oh, yes, ticket. Oh yes, you do buy a one way ticket. Yes, but... I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are planes back from there. Let's just yeah, say that. I, I keep some money in savings. That's what I would Have do. Have a lovely time, Charlie. Yes, absolutely. The Responses Part 2. And again, my favourite responder will be getting that Waitrose Double Chocolate Brownies box. Mmm, lovely. Advice for Charlie. Go! As a mom to a 13 and 15 year old, if your mom has given you her blessing, then she means it. We raise our children to fly. As much as it will be hard to see you go and for you to take that step through security at the airport, be sure her heart will be filled with complete joy that you are living your life in a way that makes you happy. Oh, thank you so much for uh, that WhatsApp. Becky in Beckenham. Um, I'm sure you are right. Charlie's mom sounds like a fantastic woman. Uh, great advice for Charlie. Go, go, go. And when you're there, send your mom a lovely handwritten letter via airmail. Ah, as she'll love it. Uh, laughed out loud while cooking eggs, thinking about blue airmail envelopes. Do you remember, you'd rip them open and then you'd rip through half the letter. And kind of, what did that say? You'd have to piece it together. Uh, thanks, Paul in Essex. Hello, Charlie. You should do it. I spent 30 years following my husband around the world because he served in the RAF. I didn't really have a choice to go and I missed many sad things back home. But as you said, we have much more tech than ever. I had to rely on letters. Life is too short and you're only a plane ride away do it embrace it thank you very much Bernice from Corsham you know that saying you're only ever as happy as your unhappiest child well I think it works the other way your mom and the rest of the family will love following your adventures and they will get great vicarious pleasure from your trip go 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 Chantal from London says and Charlie this is Richard it's off it says stop overcomplicating your life listen to and take at face value what your mom is saying to you it's like when people ask you five times are you sure you don't mind and you want to shout at them no of course not but I mind that you've asked me five times ah that's better all right relax Richard relax uh, I tell you what I'm going to give the double chocolate brownies courtesy of Waitrose to Becky in Beckenham the Graham Norton radio show with Waitrose food to feel good about Virgin Radio it's time for our Saturday session we are welcoming to the studio Mr Zach Abel hello 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 there it is bucket of fish uh, <laughs> how are you sir I feel amazing after being clapped on as well. That was lovely. <laughs> yeah. That was lovely. <laughs> also, Great, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I feel uh, very lucky because I showered today using the shower gel that I got on your show. Oh, so my God. I'm, I'm smelling of um, Moroccan rose. Okay. Uh, yeah. When were you on uh, our show? This was just before the tour. So a month before the tour. So September? September, yes. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot of showers going on, I'm thinking. <laughs> 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 but, that that shower yeah. gel's still good. <laughs> no, no, I had to finish the last one before, oh, I, before oh, I started that one. Of course. But now I'm firmly in, in your shower gel season. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So you were on the TV show. Yes. We were blown away by you. You were Thank terrific. You. And you. then you went off on your tour. How did that go? It was it was incredible. Yeah. Um, it's the biggest tour I've ever done. And so many familiar faces, new faces, uh, 
place I've never been to, never toured before, and just feeling, yeah, very, very grateful. Um, there was one show, actually, which was the Glasgow show, where I was like, make some noise if you are here because of Graham Norton, because you saw me on uh, uh, his show, and literally half the room was like, yeah! Oh, they found God. out. I wonder where that story was going. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? No one said and anything. no one said anything. <laughs> They've never heard of you. No. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it the was show's brilliant. on very late in Scotland. In my defence, <laughs> they showed very late. So there. thank you for allowing... Those Scottish people to find me is what I want to say. Uh, well, listen, I was deli- I was delighted to to find you. Really, really uh, terrific uh, sound. The album uh, is gorgeous. Love over fear. Um, and, uh, so love over fear. That that's off that album. Love yes. over fear. Yes. And so, inc- oh hello. Oh look, there's pictures of you. Someone's texted in pictures. We were lucky enough to see Zach play lots of times. Uh, these pics were at Barn on the Farm Festival. Oh wow. Yeah, he was so kind to pose for pic with my wife Tiffany. Oh, was such a lovely guy. This is from Steve and Martin and Kent. I don't remember. Was this, oh, wow. was this a while ago? It, it must have been, yeah. I'm no longer a nice guy. I've changed. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. You just look a bit, you, you look a bit different in the picture. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had maybe a few too many deliveries since then. No, <laughs> no. I was going to say you'd been to the gym. Uh, Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Farm is one of my favourite festivals. Oh, of all time. fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve Martin Kent is, is mad about you. <laughs> uh, but Lobo Fear, it was produced by Fred Ball. Yes. Who's a very, you know, people explain who Fred Ball is, people don't know. So Fred Ball is uh, an, a Norwegian legend. Um, he produced Love on the Brain for Rihanna. Um, and yeah, he, he makes all of his music from his garden studio in Kilburn. And I had the pleasure of, uh, of recording and, and making this song um, with him. But I actually wrote it with two different people. Um, one called Fiona Bevan and the other one called Nick Roosh. Fiona Bevan did a really big One Direction song back in the day. I can't remember which one it was, but she's an incredible writer. And incredible that she knows. Queen. She knows, yeah. yeah, yeah. She and her house knows. Um, and so how, how did you hook up with Fred Ball? How did that happen? Did he find you? Did you find him? So... This is going to sound really nerdy, right? But this song is in 3-4, right? It's a timing. Time is this signature. song you're about to play? The, cry. Oh, oh, Cry. Cry, cry is in 3-4. Um, okay. It's in 3-4, so it's 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. A waltz. Two, a waltz. In, in yeah. a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and, uh, and I was thinking, what uh, you know, what's a song that I really like in 3-4? And it was Love on the Brain. And we're like, who did that? And we're like, Fred Ball. So I was like, all right, let's hit him up, see if he wants to do this song. <laughs> and he said, yeah. So that's how it happened. Oh, wow. Yeah, because love on the brain is like, must be love on... We are getting a music education so this morning, like, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. That's wow. the guy. Who knew? Yeah. Wow, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, and the lover for that. So this has been your first tour for four years. Four years, yeah. 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 And how long was it between uh, the last album and uh, Love Over Fear? Ooh, six years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it and, was a while. And is that because uh, because you talked about this on the show, that you yes. had your own health struggles with with your hearing and stuff. Yes. Was yeah. that all, that, that, that was all in that delay? That was a big, big factor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah it, it, it took some time to uh, kind of get my get my stuff together. Yeah. Um, but eventually I did, and yeah. And, and, and how are you now? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm managing. You know, I've, I've got, I've got my hearing aid in my left ear, and that works. And yeah, I've had an operation on my right ear, and and that just about works as well. And yeah, yeah. And you were talking on the show that is the tinnitus, is it constant? It is constant. Yeah, I mean, I just it, the mind 
boggles. I think I said this on the show. That, you know, <laughs> we're listening to you sing these songs, and it yeah. just sounds so beautiful. Oh, and you're you. hearing them, but with tinnitus yeah. as well. If, if anyone has tinnitus that's listening, um, I got some really good advice. That I'd love to share. If, oh, if that's please, okay. please do. Because um, I know it can be a really difficult thing to go through, and you can feel like you're going mad, and you don't know what to do, and you can't like escape it. So there's almost this claustrophobia. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. A bit of good advice. Um, so the tinnitus is real. It's there a hundred percent of the time. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's important. If you think about your nose, it's in your visual field 100% of the time. It's real, right? It exists. Yeah. But it's not important, you know, in, in terms yeah, so of you this don't conversation. Need to be, you don't need to focus on it, yeah. It's there all the time, yeah. but we just don't think about it. And the same thing is, is true with tinnitus. I found the best way, and from other people who've, you know, who, who have tinnitus, they say the best way to get over it is to fully accept it and just get used to it. And it's incredible what your brain will tune out when it doesn't think it's important yeah. anymore. So I just wanted to share that. No, that's a brilliant way of looking at it. And and like, presumably now you are in that place, but was it hard mm. to sleep with it? Could you, like, if you lie down and it's quiet in the room, do, is that all you hear? Yeah. At first I thought there was an aeroplane above me because it's kind of like that kind of thing. And I thought, yeah, there's man. It's a weird, weird time for airplanes to be going over this area. I didn't even know this was on their flight path. I live uh, in such a lovely area. You know. what, are they, what are they doing here? <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, um, but you know, eventually, yeah. I, I think it, it's it's difficult when you're stressed. It's louder when you're stressed. Okay. And it's even louder when you're stressed about tinnitus. Yeah, That's the worst. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I can um, imagine. Yeah. So, and so you know, I think anyone who's had it will relate to that and feeling. Do, do you remember a time when you didn't have it? Oh yeah, it started when I was twenty-one. Wow! So I was um, I was in bed, laying on one side of the the pillow, and um, there were roadworks outside my house. And I remembered really distinctly if I if I laid on one ear, I could hear the roadworks, and if I laid on the other hit, the other ear, I couldn't hear them. And I was like, "What the hell? What's what's wrong with my hearing?" And and I would be um, sent songs to give feedback on the mix, and I'm like, "Why is the vocal panned to the right?" you know, in the mix. And they're like, it's not, it's in the center. I'm like, oh, right. Let me get my hearing checked. And then, wow. Yeah, it all kind of happened quite quickly at 21. And presumably in this, between 21 and, you know, a few years ago, was there a time when you thought, my dream is over? I'm oh, not, yeah. not going to be able to do this. Yeah, 21 was, uh, I was actually looking at pictures of my 20, 21st birthday and it was it was the darkest time in my life ever because I, I left school early to, to, I dropped out of school to do music. Yeah. I stopped my 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 fruitful table tennis career uh, <laughs> to, uh, to do music. UK number one. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, and, you, uh, you, was, yeah, 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 professional um, table tennis player. Yeah, um, and I was like, man, I uh, I've got about three months uh, of rent money left, and I've just lost my hearing, and my record label just told me it would be cheaper for them to let me finish the album than to drop me. And uh, yeah, I was I was like nicely, I nicely put, nicely put. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that is lovely. But, yeah. but you know, somehow I got used to it, and uh, and you know, luckily had some some good people around me, and and was able to continue making music. And, well, it's an unbelievable story, Zach, and I'm so glad it's had this happy ending. <laughs> and an extra cherry on top of the happy ending. Yes. Uh, married, uh, Zach Cable yeah. is married. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Did someone perform at your wedding? Um, yes, Sheku Mason uh, performed. Um, I thought, you know, if it's good enough for Harry and Meghan, it's good enough for me. Yeah, come on. Um, so we had him, his brother Brimer, and uh, our friend Plinio as well. And um, yeah, they, they walked us. Oh. They played us down the aisle. Oh, lovely. Good. And Beautiful. also a DJ called Jero Vandal, 
who's amazing. Let's not forget Jerove. Let's oh, oh yeah. Not, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spinning the discs. Um, <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> that's what he did. So uh, you mentioned, you mentioned the Royals there. Yes. And, uh, and you're about to do a cover for us. Mm. And these are connected because a lot of people uh, first saw you and heard you doing a cover for The King. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, I did uh, a cover of Don't You Forget About Me. That's what it's called, right? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I couldn't remember. It's Don't you forget about me. It's Simple Minds. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. It, it's one of Charles's favourites. Is it? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, they must have picked it for a reason. Yeah, yeah I, I, he I hates don't know this who, one. Sing it. <laughs> I actually don't know who picked it. But I'm happy that they did pick that song. Because um, I'd, I'd never heard it before the coronation. Concert. No, wait, wait, you'd never heard that song before? I don't think so, no. Have I've, you ever seen The Breakfast Club? I have. Okay. But I, I just didn't remember that that song was in it. It's the closing credits. Maybe you left. Or is it the closing credits? I don't know. When it, anyway, it's in the movie. Anyway, Maybe blah, blah, it was. Blah. Um, yeah. yeah, so long story short, three days before the coronation concert, I get told that... Um, uh, What's her name? Freya. Freya Riley. Freya Riley. Who's actually beat. She sat in that very seat. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah she's um, great. Yeah. I, I found out that she was ill and couldn't make it. And would I want to do it? And um, I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. As I was sat, you know, at home in my boxes watching <laughs> Desperate Housewives. Um, I didn't have anything on that Sunday. So I was like, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and yeah, then I, I quickly learned the song as, you know, as best as I could. Um, and they weren't sure what key I was going to sing it in because obviously she sings a lot higher than I do yeah um and so I was like okay I need to I need to tell you what key it's in luckily that day I was suit shopping for my wedding and I was in town (laughs) next to the uh Steinway shop and (laughs) piano piano shop um, yeah. And so I, I all went... I'm hearing is posh suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you only buy an expensive suit next door yeah. to the Steinway shop. Well, I was yeah. like, you know what? I, I, I better have a good one for my <laughs> yeah, wedding. Yeah. Um, and so I went into the, the the piano shop, and I was like, okay, I need to figure out this key. There's loads of customers around, but you know, I've just got to figure out what key it is. Yeah. So I'm there, like singing, like I'm like. Don't you forget? No, 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 no. Uh, don't you? Nice. No, I could be a bit higher. Don't you forget about? I'm like, okay, yeah, this is the one, and I, I just had to do it right there. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Because they, I think they told me if I couldn't, if they didn't know what key it was, I wouldn't be able to rehearse that day. And I'm like, I need every rehearsal possible. Yeah. So luckily, I told them the key quickly enough that they then said, okay, come to Windsor Castle now. So I just got in a in a cab there. Yeah. Um, and then rehearsed, and then. Yeah, and what was that? Like, what was it like backstage? Because you know, the, all, everyone's there. Were people mixing? Were they kind of? Was it a kind of a special thing, or like we're all bonded because we're at this event, or was it no one talks to anybody? I mean, I yeah, everyone was kind of in. Um, it was. It, it looked like a festival, okay. uh, like backstage, but a, a nice festival, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, with well, sofas, with proper loos, <laughs> no, no porter loos situations. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it was, it was kind of surreal cause you see like Lionel Richie walking past you and then, um, Katy like, Perry was Katie knocking Perry. around. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, I think next, next, next to me, there was like a really famous actor. I can't remember his name. Um, Scottish guy. Famous Scottish actor, uh, Sean Connery. No, dead. no, uh, no, no. no don't know i'll tell you after yeah i know yeah. you're dying to know no, they're, they're googling they're googling <laughs> it now famous <laughs> scottish actor it wasn't david Tennant or somebody was no, it? No, no, no. No, no, no no you bonneville did a lot but he's not scottish no. uh the man from downton he did loads at it is he scott oh man 
Uh, I hope he's Scottish. He well, could be Irish. Is, is it the guy from Downton Abbey? What's his name? Hugh Bonneville. No. No, it wasn't him. No, okay. no, no, no. Uh, Who else did things we'll, that we'll day? Um <laughs> This is on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not interesting <laughs> this, this, at yeah, all. This is bare. This is barely holding our attention in a pub. <laughs> I'm bored. I'm, I'm bored of this. Um, yeah, we saw people backstage. Yeah, okay. It was great. A couple of things. Uh, mm. One, well done. No coughing. Thank you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very paranoid about the coughing. It didn't happen. Uh, yes. It yeah. did not happen. Yeah. Um, it's all good. And could the actor have been James Nesbitt? Yes. Oh, okay. Where's Irish. He from? Irish. He's Irish. Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They are. For anyone listening at home, it's, it's important to remember that Scotland and Ireland are different places. Um, and James Nesbitt is an Irish person. Yes, he is. Yes. Uh, but very nice. And we, we, he'll, he'll just be delighted to get the name check. There. Yeah, I yeah, hope lovely. so. Yeah. I don't think he needs it. Uh, Zach Abel. Uh, I'm sure people out in Radio Land are falling in love with you. Love Over Fear is the second studio album. Um, you can get two of those tracks on there, um, Cry and Woman. Uh, what's what's next for you? So I'm actually doing uh, a charity concert uh, to raise money for um, a mental health charity um, on the 8th of Feb uh, in London. It's at Union Chapel. Union Chapel. Um, oh, there's, gorgeous venue. There's me and three other singers, uh, Sonny Tennant, Ethan Hodges and James Nesbitt. <laughs> James Nesbitt. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Very good. We, yeah. we will be singing some songs. You Bonneville, um, I think, might be there as well. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. I hope he comes. we can't. We can't promise. Um, yeah. It's. I think it's like twenty. Two quid a ticket or something. Oh, All the so money ch- is going to charity. Cheapest chips and a um, gorgeous venue to hear you yeah, in. And we're raising money for an incredible charity called Bed Air. Eighth um, of Feb, London. If you're around. Oh, well down. sold, that man. Thank you, thank uh, you. Zach Abel. I can't thank you enough for coming in on Thanks a Saturday morning me. and doing this. Uh, thank you very much. Congratulations on everything, on your thank wedding, you. on the tour, on the album, and we can't wait to hear what you do next. Thank, thank you very, very much. much, Zach Cheers. Abel. Everybody, yay! Woo. Don't forget to see Zach Abel's amazing set on our YouTube channel. Still to come, Andrea Riceborough joins me to tell all about Channel 4's Alice and Jack. But first, ding, ding. Martha Collison Show Chef, hello. Oh, hello, Graham. How are you? Uh, all good. How are things? I'm well, thank you. Loving the cable knit jumper today. Thank you. Well, you know, it, it's not too heavy because it's not too cold. It looks great. I know. Mild. Yeah. It is. I came in without gloves. <laughs> Crazy. Coming. <I> <laughs> ah, just mad, mad, mad. Uh, before we get into what you've done this week, let me tell you some feedback from Sandy and New Barnet. Yeah. Should I be afraid? No. Uh, read Martha's Indo-Burmese coconut chicken and noodle bowls. Now, I'm annoyed because as I read that, I think I meant to make them. <laughs> it's a reminder. I and I have the ingredients of your crumble as well, but I've been busy all week and still haven't made it. So I must, I must make that tonight. I, I must make it tonight. Um, after your comments about this dish last weekend, I decided to give it a go and arrange a waitress delivery to make sure I had the correct ingredients. Well, you were spot on. It was delicious. I added all the toppings, and I mean all, and they just made it even better. Next day, my other half said, now, that was one nice curry we had last night, and he doesn't even like coconut that much. Praise indeed. Oh, well, I shall pass that on to Malika Basu, who wrote that beautiful recipe, and I'm sure she'll be very chuffed to know it's being enjoyed. Oh, there's bunting up in New Barnet. Yeah, they're <laughs> mad about it. It's on the weekly meal rotor now, on the, on the schedule. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some very odd emojis. There's some clapping hands, but I don't know... Are those just clapping hands? There's something weird going on. I don't but think it, I've ever seen it. It looks like those, those clapping hands are like squashing something in between them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's supposed to be a clapping hand, but yeah, it does look okay. a bit like it's yeah. like rubbing something. All right, Sandy, uh, you know, pin your ears back. What are you making today? 
So this week we have got a lovely recipe featuring pulses. It's on the front of the Waitrose Weekend this week. It it's says, a cover star. Raise your pulses. Oh, I get it. And this is a bit of a lovely selection of recipes by Chetna Macken. It is beanie salad onion parathas, which are flatbreads for those who are not well versed in their <laughs> different Indian breads. <laughs> okay. Uh, but like the flatbread just makes it sound like, oh, right, made a flatbread. But there's a lot going into these. There's a lot going on. There is. There's a lot of different kind of spices in there. It's not too long an ingredient list, you'll be pleased to know. And things like it's and the main ingredient is kidney beans, which are so affordable and they are very high in protein. So you've literally got a whole can of kidney beans that have gone into these breads. Really? Yeah. Wow. So they're, I'm, I'm going to go with healthy, but then they are smeared in ghee, which is butter, yeah. <laughs> which makes them taste delicious. But yeah, they've got loads of spices in there, lots of salad onions, and there's a couple of different recipes for different ways to really make your pulses sing. Because often they're a bit of an afterthought, aren't they? A dal or something with lentils. And tell me this, so would you, like, could this be your lunch without with nothing else, just a few kind of dips and things? Yeah, so you could dip it in, you could maybe do like an egg or something with it. I think that would make it into a lovely little lunchy meal. Or you could serve it on the side of something like a dal or a curry. It's kind of like a good alternative to a naan bread or something like that. Okay. Well, look, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll play some music and then we'll uh, get to the full receipt for the beanie salad onion parathas? Yes, correct. Parathas. <laughs> is that Indian? It is, yes. Because it sounds Greek or something, does it, parathas? No, it is definitely Indian. <laughs> all right, all right <laughs> Martha, I'm not, ch I'm not challenging you or anything. I'm just making conversation. Uh, so now, the <laughs> beanie salad onion parathas. Indian, you know. They're Indian. They're not Greek. <laughs> They're Indian. Uh, delicious. They've got a nice bit of heat in them. Mm, yes. But also, they are, because they looked like, I thought, looking at the plate, I thought, oh, if I bent them, they'd break. But actually, they're very flexible. You could wrap them. You could wrap them around things. You could put veggies in there or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I was thinking that, because these are kind of about, a kind of a tea saucer in size, but you could make them kind of tortilla wrap in size and go for like a full-on pack lunch. Oh, let's do it. And look, <laughs> I, actually, that would be so healthy because I, I, you can taste in this the amount of ingredients. They really pack a punch mm. for, you know, really, like, what is a, you know, a small flatbread. Exactly. So uh, let's find out how to make them. So we're taking a can of kidney beans, mm -hmm. uh, just a 400 gram can. You want to empty them, rinse them so you get rid of all of that really thick starchy course, liquid. Yes. Then they go into a bowl. You want to mash them with a fork or a potato masher and then we are adding plain flour a little bit of salt some ground cumin and some ground chili powder that's where you get the kick from but if you don't want it to be spicy then you can just leave that out okay also chopping in four salad onions and i always use scissors to do salad onions because i feel like they just stick together when you try and do them on a knife and <laughs> you just end up yeah, with yeah, like yeah. a hasselback <laughs> spring onion <laughs> so scissor and scissor those in cut them in and then you want to mix that together with a little bit of water until you get a nice soft dough it's so simple so that comes together as a dough you kind of need it a tiny bit with your hands it sounds unbelievable that those ingredients become that. <laughs> I know. I feel like people are so... Whenever they hear bread, they think, oh, OK, that's a whole afternoon. That's going to be really difficult. But things like flatbreads, when they don't have any leavener in them, like, it doesn't even need to rest. That's... The doughs together, it's easier than making a pastry and it's less fussy as well. It doesn't matter if you develop a bit of gluten in there. I mean, it sounds like if you're going to make a sandwich, you could make fat. It's as easy as <laughs> yeah. buttering the bread. You could, and you'll be pleased to know that literally all we do next is cut them into eight... Split it into eight portions, roll each one out into a circle, and then they cook for one minute on each side in a frying pan, and then a bit of ghee on the top. That's it. That is it. It's a great recipe, really quick. And if so, if you're making a curry and you think, oh goodness me, I couldn't do the sides as well, you could do this. 
I mean, you really could. Like, I, I feel like you've forgotten something. <laughs> Come on. There was another step. I'm looking, I'm looking at the recipe. There was definitely only three steps. Rub them with ghee at the end. That's yeah, yeah. the last step. And then serve them with a bit of mango chutney, a bit of natural yogurt. Yeah, but you don't even have to do the ghee if you don't want to. Yeah. No, you don't. You could do it with a bit of flavoured oil, just a nice little sprinkle of salt. Yeah. And like I said, I, I wonder if you could, yeah, if you made them bigger, then you could use them as like a, 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 a wrap to have something else in them. Absolutely. I think I might do that, actually. I feel like that'd be a lovely little lunch. Yeah. A halloumi and spinach Ooh. all in there. Bit of mango chutney. Um, and honestly, you are getting healthier by the, by the mouthful. Because, I feel like you yeah. are. Because you're just having basically just beans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's a great way to use. This is the beans. most mysterious recipe you've brought us, Martha. <laughs> I, I, like I say, I am going to go home and try and make this, and oh, I'll be on the phone to you when I go. No, Martha, you forgot about the, the <laughs> yeah. because the bit where it has to rise for three hours. Yeah. You forget. I just feel like part. I just feel like you you mashed some kidney beans and put it into flour and it turned into that. I know. I was I was just as amazed as you to be honest because kidney beans they're a bit kind of meh aren't yeah. they? They don't really normally add much to a dish, yeah. but to this, they are the star. Well, if you want to double-check the recipe, go to waitrose.com slash showchef. You can find Martha's recipe there and do all our recipes, or you can see the visuals on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you tomorrow, Martha. Yes, see you tomorrow. All right, enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Take care. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Andrea Riseborough, hello. Hello. Uh, so, thank you very much for uh, schlepping in on a Saturday. It's very good of you. Oh, it's lovely to be here and so high up. Yes. Yeah, there's a lift and everything. I mean, uh, it's very quick. <laughs> it really is. Uh, we're, we're no expense spared. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Alice and Jack. It's on Channel 4 uh, in February and this is yourself and Donald Gleeson. And I was saying earlier, it's sort of more than the sum of its parts mm. because it, there's something, it's oddly compelling and mm. I don't, I, I, and so I think part of that is just how good you are and how good Donald Gleeson is. So it's kind of hard for you to talk about. But what can you tell us about Alice and Jack? I suppose what I suppose the, the unique thing about it is that it, it was written by Vic Levin, who's a very successful US television writer, has had this sparkling career in US TV. And so it's, he, he was part of shows like Mad Men and Mad About You, things that were really in the zeitgeist, yeah. in the cultural zeitgeist, really huge shows. And the script that he'd written was his one personal piece, something he'd lived through, which was very important to him, but he'd not really had the chance to to explore. And so I, I so, so wanted to be part of making it, and I thought, what would that look like if it perhaps looked almost cinematic? What if what if this fast-paced dialogue that was so funny, that we're, we're so um, familiar with, was seen through a sort of different lens? And so we managed to get... Yuho Kursmanen, who's a very brilliant, brilliant Finnish director, um, to direct, and Hong Kao. And they're both titans of independent cinema. And it, it really, the result is this very strangely raw, hysterically funny, quite moving thing that you're not very used to seeing. And it has protagonists in it, in it that are, perhaps you might tend to see more in film than in episodic television. Yes, you're not used to spending this much time with them. You're not, and you're, and you're not used to how many mistakes they make. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, as, as we all know, very much what love feels like. And so many people, if, if you're lucky enough to have a real soulmate in your life or to meet that person that you really feel a kinship with, often that love doesn't live out 
I mean, it often looks like many different yeah. wonky things and you don't end up together or you do or you come and you orbit each other, but you don't necessarily always um, manage. To, your fridge and magnet do not meet. It also strikes me that it's a particularly kind of urban love story in that in a big metropolis, you, you can sort of lose the grip of the of your soulmate and then suddenly they're in the washing machine of life yes. <laughs> and they come around again. In the very same city, especially in London. I mean, the interesting thing about the show as well is that all of the main characters are in London but not from London. I think yeah. that's an, a very no London one's from, experience. No one's from London. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of us are in London. <laughs> but we're all very much from London as well. Yeah, so yeah. Um, there's that sense of deep loneliness being in this vast city and knowing that somebody else is there. I mean, they live each day in this love story, Alice and Jack, alongside one another mentally, you know, psychologically and emotionally. They're always with one another. And they see each, they see the world through the lens of the other as well. And also there's something sweet about the beginning because it's like Jack doesn't quite know what he's getting into. Has absolutely no idea. See, I really I really stopped there before I, I was very effusive with my words, but he has absolutely <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's almost like an innocent abroad. He is. And, and Alice is a, a lot. And he's good-hearted and uh, he has a purity about him. But he's also a character who makes so many mistakes, like we all do, in the, in the mad fallout of love. And, and lots of other people get hurt through him wanting to really do well and to love this, this woman. And this woman, Alice, who I play, is... You know, I, 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 I tire of seeing these almost morally impossibly good protagonists in... <laughs> television shows all the time and it's wonderful because they're the hero you know they're the good guy and then you have you know, the, all the archetypes are there you feel very secure and you're ready to move on to the next episode yeah, yeah, yeah. but in this Alice is like everybody um, somebody who's been through the ringer of life in you know in her own way and she's deserving of love like everyone else and so it's it's a love story about two very imperfect people who've been through really some quite difficult things. And a lot is made on things like this about, oh, the chemistry, the chemistry between the, the two actors, da, da, da. Is that just kind of nonsense, if you know what I mean? Well, what, or, we, do, or do just good actors get on with it? No, we just did it, Graham, and then we just CGI'd the chemistry in later. <laughs> <laughs> but like, did, you, did you have to kind of meet with Donal? Was it a kind of a... Well, we've known each other for 15 years. Oh, I didn't realise. The strange thing about the, about the piece as well is it, it all came together. So I've been working on this for five years. I was part of de developing it. I've been producing it for a long time. Donal's been on it for um, almost the same time. Oh, wow. So it's been something that's very, very near and dear to our hearts for a long time. Um, but he and I first met on a film called Never Let Me Go. We played boyfriend and girlfriend. Yes. And then uh, years later, we made a film called Shattered Answer with James Marsh and we played uh, brother and sister. As Donald says, not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I briefly pretended to date his dad in a different thing in the US because in the US I'm, I'm his dad's girlfriend's age. Of course. In the UK yeah. and Ireland. <laughs> you We're the same him. age, so yeah. I can date him. I'm allowed to date him. So, um, again, not creepy. <laughs> and then um, and we came together for this. So in a strange way, our lives have kind of intersected and moved apart. You know, we've, we've seen each other grow up in, in, in the industry, sort of. Yeah. You know, but from far away and then very close yeah. at different times, which is a similar 
a similar re- relationship to Alice and Jack's, really. And you're saying, though, that it's kind of ro- it's rolling out across the world, this show. It is. It's, it's, it's going to be all over the world, which is kind of an incredible thing. To, that this, it's, it's, a very, it's a very intimate love story. It's weird to think of Alice and Jack all over the globe. Yeah. Just, you know, running around. And in terms of, like, is this one of those things where you're having to try and remember what happened because you filmed it so long ago, or is it quite present in your life? I think having worked on it for five years since its... Um, not since its very inception, because the, the writer, Vic, has been working on this inside for tens of years, but as I came to it, it was five years ago. Having worked on it for that long and then having played the character and she goes through an awful lot, um, it doesn't leave you for... You know, it's been quite a difficult one to yeah. shake off I think for both Donald and I yeah 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 and uh, we, we were talking about when we met cause, uh, well I saw you first I think it was 2008 when you did Margaret Thatcher the long road yes, not yes. the long road to freedom the, the long walk the long, the long, the long walk, walk to Finchley, Finchley. Yeah. similar to the Mandela book <laughs> Similar. I knew it was something like that. Uh, so, who had you been before that? Were you like were you plucked fresh from drama school, or had you been kind of <laughs> doing lots of things? I just, I just and I just a, hadn't seen you before you did that. I'd just been a Geordie. Yeah, I mean, I, I went, I went to RADA. To, it's a dra- the, the drama school in London. Um, I'd been doing theatre since I was about nine. I, I, I had the really great fortune to be part of something called the People's Theatre in Newcastle, um, which at the time housed the RSC. And it was a sort of, lots of professional actors who, it was an amateur theatre that professional actors went to play at when they were resting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> a, an amazing experience it for... It was an absolutely yeah. extraordinary experience. You know, actors like Pete Postlethwaite on stage and just really, a really, really wonderful, wonderful um, experience. And we got to do a lot of old writing and new writing and all sorts of things. And do, do they kind of encourage, do they go to you, you, you there, you're good at this, you should pursue this? I think when you sort of uh, see yourself playing you know pe- people want you to be in things i sort of was so you kind cast of, you, in things yeah so you kind of thought i know i'm quite good at this i, I uh you can you can say that you must have you must have thought, oh, yeah it's weird that you've asked me to be in things i'm you're, so bad you're your own worst you're your own worst critic aren't you because i mean you watch things you think, oh my god I, but i think when you're voice, but i think when you're young when you're a kid you can kind of accept because you there's a pride in when you're a kid you can kind of go oh i found the thing i'm good at no in a sense, I think the thing that really drew me to it was literature. Just, I, I just uh, absolutely loved Shakespeare as a kid, which obviously is quite a lonely experience in the northeast. Although <laughs> 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 a valuable one. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and I had a T-shirt that said "Willpower" on it with William Shakespeare's head on it, which I'm sure everyone appreciated hugely. Always, at, school. always at the parties, Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> But um, really, really just, you know, love literature. And, and, um, and that's really kind of what uh, drew me into it. And, and, then, and then going to RADA, strangely, so I did a lot of theatre, then went to RADA, and then that was the springboard that uh, sort of really, then I started to do a lot of film. And that's kind of how I yeah. started to make films. And so I had two very small parts with two brilliant directors in film. Um, one was Mike Lee and one was Roger Michelle. And... Uh, you know, blink and you'll miss me in the films. But yeah. it was for me, it was a massively course, formative yeah. experience. And then, and that's kind of how th- I started to make other films. And then we met in a very strange part of your life, <laughs> 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 a very strange part in all of our lives. You are singularly the only man who's ever asked me to do an impersonation of Madonna in front of Madonna. Well, you do, you <laughs> did. You are very good. You are a very good actor. And I'd heard you did do one. Uh, uh, 
I mean, well, because because she. That but was, you see, before wasn't that, that when her, wasn't before that when her that, voice was weird? She didn't know that before that. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> I mean, with 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 the best, with the be, you know, with the most love. She's so. I mean, she's so amazing. She's such a brilliant woman. But um. We should I, remind people you played Wallace Simpson in uh, We, which was the Madonna movie. I did, yeah. and then yeah, and then you asked me to muster an impersonation of her on the couch. And um, and and I looked across to her, and she and she looked at me, and she and she said something under her breath, like "Go ahead," you know, <laughs> something. And I, and, I, and I remember just bracing myself somewhere deep, deep in my loins, and thinking, "This is, uh, please God, be with me." And then I took a breath in and spoke, and and then I sort of had an out of body experience for quite some time. And then the show was over, and I thought, I have no idea what happened there. <laughs> But it's all Graham's fault. She's a great woman. Not a great sense of humour, I'd say. Uh, not one oh, of life's I laugh. laughers. I, I've laughed so much with her. We la- I mean, we, la- we laughed so much making that film. Cause it was oh, such, that's good. I mean, it was such a, a massive, epic piece that we were making all over the place, filmed it in lots of different countries, and we just would kill ourselves laughing regularly. I mean, uh, but also one of those things, like an amazing experience. Like I'm amazing. Ne- yeah, never to be repeated. Absolutely kind of, yeah. amazing. I mean, yeah. just one of those strange moments where you think am I actually am I am I living this or is this am I watching it what's happening <laughs> yeah. and again you were brilliant in it and listen, we're out of time but let's just remind everybody Alice and Jack is the name of the show you need to be watching it's Andrew Riseborough and Donald Gleeson uh, together on Channel 4 in February thank you so much for coming in and taking some time out of your Saturday to chat to us lovely lovely to see you again thank you so much alright Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.